Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat and the Pittsburgh Penguins for the first time since October have won back-to-back games at PPG Paints Arena. That's an incredible stat uh, that I was not aware of until I saw it on the broadcast on Saturday. So good for the Penguins. They're rolling, I guess, right now, Horwat, and it helps that they won 6-2 to two over the St. Louis Blues in a game that you called chaotic and nothing more exemplary of that fact than a Kasperi Kapanen hat trick. Yeah, starting there, you're like, okay, this game is immediately a little much. What's going on here? Given what he had gone through the past month, given mm-hmm. um, his one game before coming back was for seven minutes, and then he's mm-hmm. in the lineup for three straight games. First game, no points, but you said looked a little bit stronger than normal comes into that second game records the game winning goal wasn't expecting that he also had an assist that game big stuff and then this third game just all hell breaks loose for everyone <laughs> it was Casperi captain getting a hat trick and then everything else that happened well actually in reality it was brian russ had four points everyone else decided yeah. to steal the show that was kind of the biggest takeaway that I eventually fell on, but um, what a big and that, yeah, chaos, chaos is the only way to describe the entire thing because there was so much happening. It was Kasperi Kapanen's first hat trick since November sixth, twenty twenty one. It was his second career hat trick, and as Dan Pochas said in the post game press conference, he's one behind his father, Sammy Kapanen, of course, noted Philadelphia Flyers forward so with Kapanen he had two goals on the season prior to this game but got the game winning goal also on Thursday against the Vegas Golden Knights and you're starting to feel a little bit of momentum for the finish forward it's nice to see but the big question is is Kasperi Kapanen all the way back Horwat? it's hard to give that answer right away It, it might seem like it but here's the thing we saw this last year we saw this exact thing almost last year where He's in a cold spell, he's in a cold spell, he's in a cold spell. Hey, he got a hat trick, and then that was it. He ended up with 11 goals last season. All right, let's say he doesn't score that hat trick. He's down to eight. Not ideal from the guy who had 30 points in 40 games the pre the season prior. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still need to see more. We need to see the consistency of it. But for what it's worth right now, I'd say you got to keep rolling with him just because 
in the short term, you always roll with the hot hand. And, I mean, five points in three games is a relatively hot hand, I'd say. Yeah, it's not just the points to me. I think it's the way that he's getting these points, and specifically the way that he's getting these goals. And it was, again, highlighted a lot by everybody on social media everywhere because it was so evident. Where did he score all three goals from? Within five feet of the crease. Within five feet of the goal line, not even of just the crease. He was literally right on top of the crease. A couple of them, I mean, you mentioned Brian Rust. We'll get to him in a little bit. That last goal, the hat trick goal, the pass that Brian Rust made between the legs of both Zucker and the Blues defender right on the tape for Kasperi Kaplan, who basically just had to not move. Just stand still. It's going to bank off you, and then a bunch of hats are going to come out of nowhere. That was that was the scenario for Kasperi Kaplan. So being able to do that, score those goals, be in those areas, and also you're just seeing the better habits defensively. On the rush, he's starting to build these better habits, which is something that I really didn't see much of last season, and you mentioned he had that hat trick. We thought, okay, he's going to turn around here, but he wasn't able to at the end of the day. This is something that, yes, is he all the way back? I'm not ready to say that just yet, but he's certainly building these habits that we didn't see last season, that if he's able to continue to do so, then we can start the conversation again of, okay, he is all the way back, because right now what I see is a lot of positive signs. But that doesn't mean that he is all the way back. It just means he's well on his way to being right back in the fold. Yeah, it's you just take it slowly with some with with a player like this. You take it a game at a time. You take it a shift at a time. It's you can be happy for him. You can be proud of him. The entire team seems just amped for him. I mean, they always are. <clears throat> but now it is a matter of holding on to the consistency, and you take it just one little play at a time. And you see what you have. And it's, you're right, it is doing the right things the right way. Getting to the front of the net, playing the defensive-minded game as well. And the big key, I think, everyone, everyone that was everyone's takeaway before he even got in, back into the lineup. It was he needs to go to the net more. Um, you know, and when he got put back into the lineup, like Sullivan said, we just want him to play his game, crash the net, use his speed, in which he's starting to do all of that. I said last recording that he... Um, had the fastest recorded speed in that in whatever game we were talking about. Carolina. Yeah, his first game back, which was great. Didn't mean much because he didn't score, but then he does five points in those last two games. So, yeah, he's utilizing everything he can, which is his speed, and it's he still does the stop up thing, but is he he is at least being confident with it and taking it toward the center of the ice, toward the net, and not turning around and looking for something. It's a uh, a minor adjustment, but it's making a huge difference already. Yeah, that is the key, and, and I was going to say it, so I'm glad you did. It's not just stopping up and then dumping the puck deep. He's stopping up. He's driving to the center of the ice. He's driving to the net. He's making smart decisions and not just turning the puck over at the top of the offensive zone. So definitely all good signs for Kasperi Kapanen. And since his return to the lineup three games ago, he has four goals aided by that hat trick. He has one assist, but he has 10 shots on goal as well. So it's not for lack of firing the puck as well, which is something that he struggled with early in the season. Underlying-wise, he had 52% of the shot attempts, 62% of the expected goals for, and 72% of the high-danger chances for when on the ice at 5-on-5. For a third line that had been struggling before his insurgence into the lineup, it's really good signs for Kasperi Kapanen. Not to mention that two of his goals on Saturday... We're also on the power play, which you gotta absolutely love. And the one 
the one was right after the power play. So basically, the Penguins' second power play unit stepped up for them uh, on Saturday, which I don't think enough people have actually been talking about because you mentioned this game was ridiculous. There was everything, and one of the highlighted moments of this game was the battle between Jason Zucker and Jordan Bennington. Now, before we get into that, Horwat, you keep a list, and I know you don't actually do it, but mentally I know you keep a list of goaltenders in this league that you just don't like. You, you mm -hmm. don't want to see them succeed. You don't want to see them do anything. <laughs> Jordan Bennington is firmly on that list. I texted you on Saturday. You said, yes, but Martin Jones still exists. I would think that Thatcher Demko is also in that list. I would think that Thomas Grice is also on that list. So where does Jordan Bennington sit as far as goaltenders Horwat hates? Okay, let me, let me clarify. This list isn't that I don't want them to succeed. I just have never had a good taste in my mouth about them. Um, and for what it's worth, the Thatcher Demko thing is just how overblown he's, he's gotten this year. And we see where he's been this year. Way to go, everybody. We're great at this. Goaltending is such a finicky position that I always say every time a goalie comes out and has that hot run, like, where he, like we saw with Andrew Hammond with the Sens a long time ago, um, most recently Alex Nedeljkovic is, you can have your hot little stint, you have to maintain that. You have mm -hmm. to go into your next season or your next uh, trek and follow it up. Like, Nadelkovich didn't mm -hmm. do that. Good yeah. on the Hurricanes, and that's what I said whenever it happened. So anyway, to this Jordan Bennington thing. Um, it's not so much that I don't want him to succeed. I want him to just actually commit to being an a-hole if that's what he's going to do. Uh, I feel like he's committed to the bit. Well, then actually make contact with people he just swings sticks around and you know swings and misses on purpose he's trying to look like the tough guy without actually bearing any of the brunt of the consequences mm. um hence the skating toward the penguin bench whenever every penguin is on the bench or nowhere near the bench mm -hmm. um oh making sure there's a referee in between them um it's nonsense and i don't know how to put it other than the dude needs to get his comeuppance and i think it started with that jordan stall yeah play where he tried to make that hit uh and just got laid out stall wasn't even trying to hit him no. he just he, he just got in the way and went Oop, there, and there's a goalie on the ice let's that's, continue let's continue the play that's that thunder bay farm boy strength of jordan stall yeah it is <laughs> but it, and then just I, that's the other thing too we were texting early in this game I said we're gonna get a Jordan Bennington moment I can feel oh, yeah. it because we were in his crease and in his kitchen from the opening draw it was early that we were all over him we were smothering him and he couldn't make saves and then that the, the little hit gets tossed out and toward the end of the first period mm -hmm. which wild wild call that that was first made a high sticking penalty mm-hmm and what I want to know about the NHL is why is the only thing you could do with that is erase it and not say, okay, well, now it's a different penalty because it should have been. Yeah. Uh, but because the initial call on the ice was a high stick, that's not one that you can reduce to something else. I don't know. The NHL is a sitcom. Yes. We all just kind of enjoy and laugh. Uh, but for what it's worth, uh, you know what? He ended up leading the game in penalty minutes anyway. Because he got so, a 10, he got a, what, I've never heard of that. What, what was it called? Inciting. Inciting. So I, if I was to, I bet it was just, um, not inciting. What's it actually called? Oh, what's it actually called? When you're, uh, 
instigating. Haunting? I oh, bet instigating? it was just instigating, and he just said inciting. I don't know. But everyone rolled with inciting because that's really funny. Mm-hmm. And it sounds a little worse than uh, instigating because at least with an instigator, uh, a fight happens, right? Yeah. Like, that's kind of how it goes. But this misconduct for inciting, he just, again, with a ref in between him, he's making sure to skate directly over to the Penguins bench. Both Rust and Zucker said after the game they had no idea what he was saying, which I think, true or not, I don't care. It's really funny, the idea of Jordan Bennington barking at people, literally not paying attention to him. Uh, And that's kind of why I wrote in the story that all the Penguins bench could literally do is laugh and shrug their shoulders. As in, we have no idea what you're saying, but you look like a clown right now. Mm -hmm. Go. (laughs) I thought it was hilarious. And then just to add salt in the wound, Thomas Grace just... It has a little stumble, which, by the way, also, it's not that I dislike Thomas Grace. I just dislike that the second he left here, he got way better. <laughs> well, that and, you know, some of his off-the-ice views I don't agree with, but I would never hate somebody because of that. I, I know I, nothing I, about his off-the-ice views, so. Yeah, it's just a matter of the fact that, like, uh, you know, this entire sequence, it almost reminded me, in a, in a poor weekend, if you're a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, it reminded me of the Cueto situation. All this craziness, all of this happening, and all of a sudden the Penguins are absolutely blowing the doors off of the Blues. Bennington is chirping into the abyss because nobody's paying attention to him. Jason Zucker is shrugging his shoulders like a Flintstone character. And Thomas Grice is face planting into the crease. What was going... It was it was insanity. It was pandemonium. And that building was getting louder and louder for these crazy things that... Listen, this is a game that Penguins fans won't soon forget. I know the national attention will forget about it like pretty quickly. But Penguins fans, it, if you ever want in the in the depths of the season where sometimes these games can start to blend together. That one is going to stand out for a couple of weeks, if not months. Add on Colby Armstrong on the TV call. Um, and just Bob Barry literally asking what is going on here? Colby say, I cannot repeat half of the words that are being said. And I really don't know how to, how to, how to talk about this. It's, it was such a sequence and I, I didn't really, the funny thing is, like, I barely noticed any of it because I didn't really notice the hit. I just saw Zucker get, you know, fly into the boards afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized Bennington was getting yanked a little late. I think he was, like, already at the bench. And I went, oh, Bennington's at the bench. What's happening? And then I see Thomas Grice. You know, when, you're, when you get pulled from a game, you usually do the old, hey, go get him, champ. Thomas Grice had to just skate past him, notice that he's just seeing the number 50, be like, that's not his face, gives him the old whack, says, please get off the ice, I'm going in now, and continues. Just good teammate stuff. It's fun that Craig Berube finally seems to have finally had enough Yeah. Uh, afterwards. I mean, not necessarily straight up saying he needs to quit with the antics, but well, saying... W- once you publicly state that, that means that it has been privately said several absolutely. times. Yeah. Absolutely. Because what is he doing? He's ruining his own, A, reputation as a decent goaltender. Remember when he was in talks of being the starter for Team Canada? Yeah. What happened to that? Remember when, you know, he was a, he's a cup champion. He's a Stanley Cup champion. No one can take that away from him. Uh, but he sure doesn't act like it with this nonsense. Um, and I spoke on, I went on Twitter on a Twitter space with uh, Jeff Taylor, I believe his name is, mm-hmm. from Fly Penguins Fly. Sorry if I got the name wrong. but You got it right. Good. Love it. Um, and I mentioned to him, I was like, oh, yeah, this also 
has all kind of been part of Jordan Bennington's personality. Yes. Uh, even since before he made his NHL debut when the team said, hey, we're going to send you to the ECHL. And he said no. Just said, not doing that. Didn't know you could do that as a player. Uh, but the team had to end up uh, loaning him out, I believe, to the Providence Bruins. I don't remember exactly. Um, and then, you know, he turns his game around and becomes a Stanley Cup champion. Sure, good on him. That's, mm. you know, what you're supposed to do as a goalie. At the time, he could have looked at that as just sheer confidence. And honestly, at the time, it was like, all right, cool, good for you. I thought it was awesome whenever he was standing straight-faced going, do I look scared? Yeah. Like, cool, good. We... A, a, an NHL player with a little bit of personality. Love it. Now it's just taken on a whole different animal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, there's so much that could we, that could still be unpacked about this. Yeah. All I know is we got another Bennington moment, guys. Oh, we got goodness. another one. Yeah, with Jordan Bennington, the narrative started as, yeah, this is a confident guy. This could be the next big thing as far as NHL goaltenders because he has the confidence. He has the skill. He has a Stanley Cup at such a young age. But I will push back with this. Just because you have a Stanley Cup doesn't mean you're going to be one of the best goaltenders uh, of your generation. Look at Antti Niemi. <laughs> Look at Antti Niemi. Look at even Matt Murray, who you know, he's bouncing back. He's having a good season for Toronto. But, you know, things haven't gone as smoothly as people once thought when he won two Stanley Cups as a rookie. But uh, we are running a bit over here in this first segment. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have to mention Brian Rust. He scored four points, for God's sakes. So we'll start with Brian Rust, and we'll talk a little bit about Tristan Jari. We'll be right back. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Horwat, we went the whole first segment and you mentioned it early on and literally encapsulates what we just did to this man. Brian Russ had a four-point game and we had to push him back to the second segment because Kasperi Kapanen scored a hat-trick and because Jason Zucker had a grudge match with Jordan Biddington that Jason Zucker didn't care about. Like, that's that's the... how do you ignore the guy that scored four points? That's how. But we do have to mention Brian Rust. One goal, three assists, his first points since November 19th against the Winnipeg Jets. You could feel it coming for him. Mike Sullivan said as much before that game. You could feel the tide start to turn in his favor the past couple of games. But he finally breaks through against the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, it was a long time in the making. And it, his... His uh, <clears throat> lack of production sure wasn't for lack of effort. I mean, in the Vegas game, he had six shots on goal. He had three mm. the previous game. Two, two, three. Like, he's getting multiple shots on net. He's only gone one game uh, all season without a shot on goal. Every time I say that, I have to check because it doesn't sound right given this, given two points in what was 14 games. Mm. Uh, but, no, he's rifling pucks on that. He's third on the team in shots on goal, by the way shocking that he was just snake bitten um we've 
I mean, any Penguin fan for longer than a couple seasons knows that uh, Brian Rust can fight through some inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. Remember him going however many games without a goal and then popping a hat trick? <laughs> oh, where have we seen that one before? But we've seen it from Cap and, or, uh, from Rust before, and this one just felt a little different because last season he found some he found his legs of consistency. You know, the season before even, he was finally getting there to the point where, hey, it earned him a six-year contract. Well, all right, way to go. Um, so it felt a little a little worse this time because it was such a long stretch with no points. And, oh, yeah, we signed you to decent money long-term because you found your legs, and now you lost him again quickly. So, again, this is, I will say, this is much like the Kaepernick situation where I have a little more faith that this can continue at a consistent pace. But, again, I got to see it now. Mm-hmm. Now we have to hold on to this. I'm not saying get four points a night, but I'm saying chip in, get get some more, uh, conf- get your confidence boosted again, and start finding the back of that with a little more consistency and work well with Malkin and Zucker. I think that's a fairly good uh, start. I mean... Those three seem to be building something great. Yeah, those three, as you you put out a story on InsideThePenguins.com, those three, as far as analytics is concerned, one of the best forward units in the National Hockey League uh, right now. I mean, this season, not even just right now. And the big thing for Brian Rust is not just the fact that, yeah, he scored that goal. He, he got on the score sheet. Yeah, he picked up four points, had three helpers, including that beautiful assist that we talked a little bit about in the first segment. But the way that he scored the goal as well was working hard, along the boards, and being aggressive. And that's the thing. When a lot of these guys go on these scoring droughts, if they're not aggressive, it's never going to end. And the way he scored wasn't, yeah, I just threw one on net, it went in the net, we got lucky. Because that's what happened against the Jets. His goal didn't turn anything around because Connor Hellybuck turned it over to Sidney Crosby and Brian Russ had a wide open net. Did that turn anything around? No. Did he break the curse a little bit? Yeah, he scored a goal. But this way, he took the puck, saw an open spot in the, in the front of the net, drove to the net, found a spot, and then shot at top shelf and did one of his patented celebrations, which always feels like he knows where the camera is in that corner. Because I remember like five or six different goals where he's done the same celebration in the same corner. And I have to look back. I'm sure there's a really good picture of Brian Rust scoring that goal because that's where the camera well is. But no, a, a great goal, a great performance from Brian Rust. And we, we had to, at the very least, mention that because we'll have to see what he does. But... Four-point night against St. Louis is definitely one way to say, hey, I am, I'm back where I need to be right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's a matter of remaining, holding on to the consistency and helping the team win. He looked damn good, and he, he's looked good. You know, we can't say he's looked bad. I mean, you talk about a minus 11 in this stretch, but uh, he has at least come to and, be, and looked good in the more recent games. And like Mike Sullivan said, uh, heading into the St. Louis game, uh, something like this had been building. It was just a long time coming, and he finally broke through. We talk about back where he needs to be. That is epitomized by Tristan Jari right now. I mean, mm-hmm. we have to talk about Tristan Jari because I feel like some people have mentioned, yeah, he's, he's bounced back. I know Josh Getzoff is doing yeoman's work on Twitter, just basically every game saying, hey, let's not forget Tristan Jari has been dominant, not just good, but dominant lately, uh, friend of the show, Josh Getzoff. But it, it's time that we really talk about Tristan Jari because 
he had physical issues, still the weirdest way to say that he had an injury possible, which confuses me as to what was actually wrong. Like, it, that could go as little as being, oh, I had a hangnail for like three weeks. Like, I, we don't know what it was. Uh, we'll never know what it was. But it certainly seems that he is mended from that. And it all started with a win against Minnesota in which the Penguins won the game on the road against the Minnesota Wild. But we all said, you know, they got the win, but Tristan Jari looked bad again. And at that point, he had lost, I believe, five straight starts. And everybody was saying, okay, does this help? We don't know what's wrong with him. Is he still dealing with physical issues? But that ended up triggering the turnaround. A win in which he might not have deserved it, but the team picked up the slack for him. And since then, he is 6-0-1 with a 9.37 save percentage, two goals allowed average, literally two flat goals allowed average, and 2.03 goals saved above expected, which is, of course, a nice tip of the cap to the defense in front of him considering his numbers have been so good. And he only has had to make two goals or two saves more than he was expected to make. So really good work from Jari. Really good work from the defense as well. He's looking like the guy we all expected him to be this season. I know I said he could be in the Vezina conversation. Hunter Hodes of Locked on Penguins echoed that sentiment. We were on the same wavelength there. Uh, you were a little shy of jumping onto that bandwagon. And at this point, that might be out of the question. But he's finally starting to look like that guy. The question I have for you, Horwat, is, is he just a volatile goaltender or is it just the way that he started? Is it in his nature or is it just this season? Like I said before, goaltending is such a finicky position. I don't know. Um, it's extremely hard to say, especially considering that losing streak, everyone wasn't doing their job. It's true. So you can toss that into the fire of uh, just everyone was kind of not playing the right way. Uh, and a lot of those games the Penguins deserved to lose. But now he's back in this, you know, in his last eight starts, he's gotten points in all of them. 6-0-2. I know you said 6-0-1, but I'm tacking on that other overtime loss just because, hey, you know what? That's You could say maybe that was part of the bounce back despite him giving up five goals in that game. Um, you know, it's extremely hard to say if this is what it is or if he's volatile or whatever it may be. I think for right now, he's found his game, found his confidence, found a new level of play that we definitely didn't have at the beginning of the season. Yeah, he was stopping everything at the beginning of the year, but, um, you know, obviously those physical issues are gone, and he's holding down the fort better than anybody would have expected, considering the streak. Um, it's hard to talk about goalie sometimes. I just He's making the saves, and he's making them right, and he's making them big. Yeah, the, the big thing we talked about early in the season is, listen, even if you're not going to play well, you have to make the save if the team is keeping you in it. And, and he wasn't making it. Casey DeSmith wasn't making it. But now it seems like he's making almost every save. Now, we understand that no goaltender is going to be able to continue that pace throughout an entire season. And, and he's not going to. He's going to have another dip in production. He's going to have another dip in performance. But if you can, at that moment, make the save to keep getting your team wins, keep getting your team points like they did against Carolina, that's when a goaltender, despite being inconsistent sometimes, can still be considered one of the best in the league. Because, like you mentioned, goaltending is fickle. There's inconsistencies in every goaltender. I don't care if your name is you know, Igor Shosturkin, if it's Andre Vasilevsky, or if it's Antti Niemi. There's times where you're going to be up. There's times when you're going to be down. Nobody's going to be consistently anything in this league. But if you can 
make it to where you're making the important saves and keeping your team in games, even when you're not having your best performances, that's when you can see who's truly a good goaltender in this league. But right now, Tristan Jari, he's playing like more than a good goaltender. He's playing like the goaltender that we expected him to be. He's playing like a Vesna caliber goaltender for this past stretch. We'll just have to see if he's able to keep that going into the month of December. Let's talk briefly about this matchup coming up on Tuesday. Pittsburgh Penguins taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets. This is the second matchup between these two teams of the season. The Pens won the first one in Columbus by a total score of 6-3. to three. That was the last victory for the Penguins before going out west in Canada and starting that seven-game losing streak. But the Columbus Blue Jackets come into town with a lot of injuries. Jake Bean is going to be out four to six months. Jake Voracek is out indefinitely with a concussion. And Zach Wierenski, their best defenseman and their probably second best player on their team, is out for the season. So Horat, when you see the Blue Jackets come into town to close out this Penguins five-game homestand, trying to get a winning record on that homestand, what are you keying in on? What well, Just beating the teams you're supposed to beat, playing the right way against teams that are not doing good, that are pretty much down and out. They're in the Connor Bedard conversation, ladies and gentlemen. These, This is the team you should beat doesn't matter who is in net it doesn't matter how your team is playing thankfully for the penguins tristan jari who most likely will get the start uh is playing very well like we just discussed and the team like we also just discussed for the last couple episodes now playing very well so this is the kind of game that it doesn't matter how you play it doesn't matter what goes on you need to win this one mm -hmm. because they have one of the worst records in the league looking around Anaheim's still only has six wins. Boy, oh boy. Anyway, yeah, no, this is a team you should beat. They have just they have a worse record than the uh, Flyers right now, for now. But, yeah, this is the game that you mark on the calendar as, yeah, we have to win this one. Yeah, they got the big free agent stud and Johnny Goudreau, but guess what? That doesn't mean anything anymore because they've lost everybody around them as well. Um, now's the time to add on to your, add on to your streak, help push yourself up the ladder of the Metro because we're still not right into the top three, but we could be with a nice win here. Mm -hmm. And if the right things play out with the Islanders who have 16 wins and are in third in the division, mm -hmm. hockey's weird. Yeah. Yeah. The Pittsburgh Penguins currently sit two points behind the Islanders for third and three points behind the Carolina Hurricanes for second. Uh, the New Jersey Devils up far and away above everybody else because of that long winning streak. But you mentioned Johnny Gaudreau. He is the shining silver lining for uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets right now. 26 points in 23 games, and nobody else is really close. I mean, Kent Johnson doing some yeoman's work there for the for the Blue Jackets. That's a young stud for them. He's going to be good going forward, forward in the future. But you mentioned that game against the, the Philadelphia Flyers. That's what I want to see the Penguins do to the Columbus Blue Jackets on Tuesday. They shut them down. They won 4-1 to one against the Flyers. Their bottom six was really the reason that they won as far as the score sheet. I want to see that a little bit more uh, in this game, whether it's that's from Sperry Kapanen in the third line or if that's, you know, Paling and Archibald uh, making their presence felt once again. But you look at this team, what else am I eyeing? Of course, Kasperi Kapanen. I want to see continued progress. doesn't have to be goals and assists. Like we said, I liked his performance last Tuesday against the Carolina Hurricanes. It was a start, and he built off of that into an explosion of a game on Saturday. Let's start that building and continue those building blocks. And the other thing I'm looking at is the Sidney Crosby line because 
it almost seems like they're quietly scoring goals. They've scored four goals at five on five in the last five games. They're looking like the Globetrotters of hockey. It seems like they are ready to explode for three goals per game. Just them alone at five on five at points. Going up against a very undermanned, very under-talented Columbus Blue Jackets team. I'm looking for Crosby, Raquel, and Gensel to absolutely blow up the score sheet on Tuesday. Or at least get a couple of goals. Because they've been getting premium chances after premium chances. They're bound to go off for a massive night. And when better to do that than against this team in Columbus? Yeah, absolutely. It's It seems like at times the first line and second line kind of trade. Who's going to pop off and be the best line on the team? Um, you know, obviously that third line took the swing in the last game. But I think the... I uh, think that Crosby unit can get something done big time against this uh, this down bad team. I mean, if you want to talk about Jake Gensel, he's got 21 points in 18 games against the Blue Jackets in his career. Mm -hmm. uh, safe to say he's done a pretty good job against them and can continue something like that. He also has 19 and 10 against the Canucks. Holy hell. Randoms. Uh, but, yeah, this is the kind of game he should do very well in as well. It's ah, back at home. We know this team loves playing in front of the home crowd despite it dwindling a little we don't talk about that part um but hey you know what big games like this big wins like this should bring the crowd back and sure it's a tuesday night but it's you know play like it's a, po a postseason game play mm -hmm. like it like your life depends on it and i know the opponent isn't at that caliber but um it's still important to like i said get the wins that you're supposed to win yeah, you mentioned play uh, like it's a postseason game. The Penguins have had a lot of success against the Columbus Blue Jackets in the postseason. Those numbers you mentioned for Jake Gensel, not even including uh, that absolutely amazing series he had in 2017 against the Blue Jackets, including a hat trick out there in Ohio. But a couple uh, last stats about Columbus before we head to break. They're bottom five in the National Hockey League in all analytical ca categories. That's, you know, expected goals for, that's, Shot attempts, that's scoring chances, that's high danger scoring chances. They're bottom five in literally everything at five on five. And it doesn't get much better when it comes to their special teams. They're in the bottom third of the league in special teams efficiency. 20th in the National Hockey League on the penalty kill and 30th on the man advantage. So if the Penguins want to show that they're a dominant team, this is a team that you should handle easily in the Columbus Blue Jackets. And like you mentioned, Horwat. Keep climbing the ladder of the Metropolitan Division. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, last week the Penguins celebrated 2000s night at PPG Paints Arena. We're going to talk a little bit about some of our favorite players from the 2000s right after this. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Of course, new episodes of this podcast come out every Monday and Thursday, but uh, we have a little something special that we might be starting up this week, so keep an eye on the feed for bonus episodes that could be hitting every weekday morning. We should have much more content for you from the Tip of the Iceberg feed and from InsideThePenguins.com, but for right now, our weekly pens poll... A lot of the time, it revolves around the current team. What's going on? The feeling of the fan base. But with 2000's night happening last week, 
we decided let's look back as well on the podcast and asked, who is your favorite random 2000s Pittsburgh Penguin? Which means, no, you can't say Mario Lemieux. No, you can't say Sidney Crosby. You can't say Evgeny Malkin. You can't say Sergei Gonchar. Who is your favorite random 2000s Pittsburgh Penguin? The three options we gave were Gary Roberts, George Larocque, and Eric Christensen. Gary Roberts won the poll with 42%. A lot of people loving the old Iron Man that wore no visor with the Penguins and was just literally the old gruff veteran that taught Sidney Crosby how to not get his his his, his ass beat, basically. Uh, but then you have George Larocque had 21% of the vote. 20% said other, and we'll get into that in a second. But Eric Christensen, who I gave my vote for, 17%. Shootout specialist, Eric Christensen. The only thing he was good for, Eric Christensen. And Literally. I love, and I love that Gary Roberts got that many votes whenever he only played 57 career games here. Yep. Of his 1,200-game career. I mean, I get it. You know, we got 41-year-old Gary Roberts into the fold and, uh, you know, went to the Stanley Cup Finals that season. Under his tutelage, I guess, if you will. It was an impressive, fun run. I mean, that's just a fun guy. All three of those names are... are just entertaining we're entertaining to have on the team mm-hmm. eric christensen like you said shootout specialist not good for anything else gary roberts old old wise old wise vet that uh i mean did we need on that team yes actually i forgot that team um and then george Larocque, who needs no more introduction mm-hmm. yeah. but with the answers i chose I, I just went i just hit hockey reference and started looking at rosters and said this should be entertaining because these were not good teams mm-hmm. um i mean i don't even remember who i said rico fada was one of them because man who doesn't remember rico fada mm-hmm. uh goaltending wise you could say danny sabrin danny sabrin was great but uh, we did have some some responses for the other i wanted to mention richard said patrick Lalim. speaking of goaltenders uh from the 2000s pittsburgh penguins Ali said Yarko Rutu, and I loved Yarko Rutu. You know, he was kind of Matt Cook before Matt Cook came to Pittsburgh. Uh, I do, for some reason, when I hear Yarko Rutu, I just think of listening to the Penguins take on the Carolina Hurricanes. I don't remember what year it was, but I was listening to the end of the game after a high school football game on a Friday night, and he scored the overtime winner, I believe, either overtime or shootout against the Hurricanes. And I was like, of course, of all players to score, I think it was the shootout, Yarko Rutu in like the 11th round of the shootout. Had to be Rutu because I, I think they threw him out there regularly after a little while just because he was uh, pretty pretty solid at the shootout. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's recorded on Hockey Reference because I'd love to see those numbers. But yeah, no. Yarko Rutu and Eric Christensen are the, the least likely of suspects, but were out on the shootout pretty often. Mm-hmm. He had a penalty shot goal. Does that one count? I mean, it's probably not the one I'm thinking of, but yeah, yeah, it counts. It all <laughs> no, counts. No, because it, because it came in an 8-2, to two, I'm assuming, victory over the Toronto Maple Leafs. I would yes. hope. I would hope. The 2000s Toronto Maple Leafs, like, I would really hope the Penguins, I know they were bad, but I would hope that if they lost 8, to, or if there was an 8-2 to two game, they won that one uh, in the Sidney Crosby era. But uh, the last one that was mentioned here is Wesley said Brooks Orpic, and yes, uh, that, that borders on the line of random Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, but I'll allow it simply because I love Brook, Brooks Orpic, and those who remember, if I just say the shift, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about with Orpic in the 2008. Was that in 2008 that he did that? 
Or was that yes. 2009? I'm pretty sure it was 2008. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was the year we lost. Yes. It was one of the redeeming qualities of that series, that and Peter Sikora's overtime winner. Oh, that was so fun. That was so much fun. Mm. Yeah, we mentioned it. You know, you saw Max Talbot in attendance, Tyler Kennedy in attendance. I will say Tyler Kennedy's shoe game was weak uh, for that one. I couldn't tell if it was a dress shoe or a tennis shoe. I, I guess it's, you know, duplicity of man. He wanted both. Uh, on that evening, but no, it's it's always nice to look back at the 2000s. Some of those years, most of those years were not great, but it was the early years of Sidney Crosby, and it was the years that a lot of us really started to gain steam in, in our hockey fandom. I know me and you in particular, of course, watching those teams uh, with, with Crosby and, and Bugsy Malone and, and Ryan Whitney and, and Young Evgeny Malkin, Sergei Gonchar, all of the above, uh, a lot of fun. Uh, looking back at those guys, and like I said, Eric Christensen, not good for much, you said, but uh, in the shootout, sure-handed. Him and UC Jokinen are the guys I look at and say, you know what, those guys were great in the in the shootout. UC Jokinen was a little bit better as a player, but, uh, you know, in the shootout as well, I really liked him. Can't wait for 10 years from now when we're talking about 2010's night, and we all continue to feel old. Oh, you remember when Jerome Aginla was on the Penguins? Yeah, we don't talk about that season. I mean, I just learned yesterday. Learned. I just remembered and had to look it up yesterday that Elf came out in 2003. Oh my goodness! It's been 20 years. 2003, ladies and gentlemen, Elf. Yeah. You know what came out after that, but feels way older? Jim Carrey's The Grinch. The Grinch is 2004. Uh, Elf came. I can't I, really. Elf came out before The Grinch. I would have never like that again. I don't think of that. Nope. But just like the quality of video, just mm-hmm. horrendous for The Grinch for some reason. But elf is clean enough and they're flip-flopped years there you go to be fair it's a lot easier to shoot um, and especially in the 2000s it's probably a lot easier to shoot a film just in new york than whoville considering one doesn't (laughs) exist so uh (laughs) another good i mean will ferrell was inspirited that just came out with ryan reynolds on apple tv plus oh why am i wrong about that sorry the Grinch came out in 2000. Why was I told it came out in 2004? See, now we, the last three minutes, just con- completely wasted because you're faulty, false information. Fake yeah, news or a lot. That's what I'm going to start calling you. I'm so confused, though. I could swear I saw yesterday it was 2004. Anyway, I digress. Enough about Christmas movies, clearly. Yes. Well, with Horowat starting to spread fake news, I'm going to cut this podcast at its heels. Uh, That's going to do it for this one. We'll be back on Thursday, but like I mentioned earlier, keep your eye on the feed for special bonus episodes that we might start dropping as early as tomorrow morning. That's going to do it for this one. We'll see you guys next time.